Hi, and welcome to my podcast, The Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm glad you found me. I'm Renee Beery, and I love empowering women to take on home projects, both large and small. I have been the only girl on the job site for the past 27 years, and I have seen it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. With my help, I hope you will be able to avoid the mistakes I've seen in the past and go into your project confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your project is as smooth and successful as possible. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Last week's episode number 17 was focusing only my opinions on the HGTV channels and shows similar to that that showcase what I do for a living, which is home renovation construction. And it definitely triggered some reactions, both in social media and emails. And and I love that. That is what podcasts are meant to do. They're meant to stir up thoughts, ideas, opinions, emotions, and, and sort of everything in between. Now, if you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend you going back and listening to number 17, because while there are so many things I don't like about the HGTV style shows, I do love that they highlight this industry that I have grown my entire career on and and truly love. However, they would do my industry a huge service if they would put more disclaimers on it that their shows are far more for entertainment value than they are reality-based. And I promise not to stay on this topic for the entire episode, but my final little nugget about those shows happened this week. So my daughter did not know my episode was on that very topic. And one evening I came upstairs and she was sprawled on my bed watching TV before bed, lo and behold, watching the HGTV channel. And I just, I couldn't believe it. So of course she sucked into it and I sat down and we were discussing as it was going on. And and truly, I wish the show was more like that, right? Because she was learning both from the show as well as from me. However, she went to bed and then of course I had to sit down and watch the rest of the episode. And by the end of the episode, I was quietly because they were nearby sleeping, screaming at the TV. So this show, I I actually don't even know the name of it, but the show is with Nate Berkus, and he is a well-respected, world-renowned, known interior designer. And I've actually met him at, at a design conference, and he's a lovely guy, very talented. And he and his partner have a show where you you audition basically the worst of the worst projects and his team come in and quote, save the day, which is great. Right. And, and makes for good TV. So long story short, it was a young couple who got away in over their heads with a project of theirs in Southern California. And when he came on, when Nate came onto the scene, they said that they had scrounged together $123,000 for their budget to do this project. And they made it very clear that that was a lot of work to get to that. And basically, that was it. Soup to nuts, $123,000. Now, that is no chump change for a construction project, as many of you are probably thinking right now. So long story short, of course, Nate and his team uncovered structural issues and, I mean, major structural issues. In one case, uh, the header didn't actually 
extend the whole length of the house and all sorts of stuff in between. And they go to the big reveal, ta-da, you know, and I guess with this whole show, I guess this is, just, I've never seen another one of them. They furnish it. They do everything. You literally walk in, house is ready for you to, you know, proceed and with life. And they sit down and they're just overwhelmed. They love everything. And, and it does. It looks beautiful, right? He, he put his touch on everything. You know, so I like the fact that they had talked about budget in the beginning. And after a few little pleasantries, Nate said, okay, let's talk again about your budget. And I thought, yes. This is fantastic. They're going to talk real terms, real life situations between a designer and client. And he said, yeah, I know that you started, you gave us the initial budget of $123,000. And I paused because I heard the big fat word initial. And I thought to myself, hmm, that's not what that couple said. They actually made it quite clear. I think she even said she borrowed some money from her parents in order to do this. That would not qualify in my book as an initial budget. And so I, you know, sat a little towards the front of my chair, a little further, listening carefully. And he said, well, as it turns out, we spent $56,000 on top of your budget. And I nearly choked. Okay. He spent half again, their budget. Now this couple looked like deer in headlights. So clearly he had not communicated this with them throughout the process, educating them along the way. Now, these may have been legitimate expenses. He didn't specify. And again, it's a short program. So I know you don't have time to get into the gory details, which I live in day to day in my projects. And he said, so what we did, we ended up asking all of our vendors, we begged for free things and free services. And we even took some furniture out of our own personal collection to make this happen for you and stay within your budget. Now, if I had choked before, I was literally on the floor at that point because I have to assume the average person watching that does not expect an interior designer in their life or contractor in this case to be able to do that for them. Now, there have been in the past times where vendors will give product at a significant discount or and or free to a designer if they're doing a show house or some sort of marketing um, project that obviously would be beneficial to both people. However, those days actually are pretty long gone, even in the show house world. So in, in order to get this project completed, he had to beg, borrow, and steal, essentially. Well, no designer can do that for their client. Whether we want to or not is, is really irrelevant. And of course, this couple was like, oh, thank you so much. It was so generous of everyone and da, 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 da. And they didn't even specify who had given the free product, which from a PR and marketing standpoint, would have been nice for them to give a shout out during this episode, right? I mean, wouldn't that be part of the point? So if GE gave some appliances, wouldn't GE want a shout out? Now, maybe they were in the credits at the end. I'll be honest. I was so worked up at that point. I didn't, I basically turned the TV off, but I did want to follow up. I, I did mention this to a friend this past week. And I said, should I bring this up? And she goes, oh, Renee, everybody knows that that's for the show. And I said, okay, yeah, you're right. And then later I thought, but does everyone? Now, maybe to that magnitude, but will some people think that they can get things kind of donated or majorly discounted if, if the ship turns the wrong direction during the project, which a lot of times it can happen? So this is my final PSA 
about HGTV because the episode I watched just doesn't happen. I really wish it did. Trust me. I have clients that get into projects that are way out of control through no one's fault. And we really wish we could ask people to give things for free to button it back up and get us back on track, but it just doesn't happen in the real life. So those are my final thoughts. Feel free to email me. Let me know if I'm nuts. Let me know if my friend is right. And of course, you knew that that was just for Hollywood. I'd love to know one way or the other, quite frankly, because it made me panic that the viewers would be thinking this was possible for their own projects to some degree, maybe not to that same extent. Now, let's get into today's topic. And it it sort of dovetails into this whole HGTV, reality versus Hollywood, level of expectations, and managing a project, which is what I'm all about, as you know. So I believe this is an important topic to go into, and that is the razor-thin line between confidence and cockiness, and cockiness that can sometimes turn into arrogance on a project. So what do I mean by this? Well, you're going to be taking on your home renovation project, and that's great, right? You may or may not have done some projects in the past, big or small. You are an educated person. You do watch some of these shows. You have friends who have done projects, and you've heard about them all in all of these various uh, means. And so you think, sure, I can do this. Now, you're reasonable enough to know that there are going to be times where you aren't quite sure what's going on, or you may run into issues and problems. And fine, you say to yourself, I'll deal with them as they come, right? You start your project, you, by getting your team set up, you like your team, you kind of gel together and away you go. And lo and behold, at some point in the project, you stumble into issues that you don't really quite understand. So, What I see happen on projects, I even see some of my own clients in the past that have done this, is the smile and nod approach. And so what I mean by that is you're in a construction meeting and the contractor is explaining a situation, good or bad, it really doesn't matter. And he's using terms that they're not quite sure what they mean, but they have a general idea. So they just sort of smile and nod. But the problem with that is Typically, at the end of any kind of discussion from a contractor during a meeting, he's looking for an approval for whichever path he's explaining to the client. Now, this may be something really mundane or benign, and it doesn't matter if you smile and nod and agree to something at the end. However, it could be something pretty important to you at the end that you didn't even realize you were agreeing to. And that's where the trouble comes in. So an example of smiling and nodding and potentially getting yourself in a really bad situation where it's going to be very expensive to fix is a client I have. We live in an area that has very old homes. A lot of them are built in the 1920s that I work in, and they're beautiful. But with the pros comes the cons. And the cons of these homes is that the detail to the woodwork, the doors, the windows, the moldings, that just doesn't exist in a standard form in today's world. So often we are trying to either get close enough when we're adding something into these houses, or we're going to have to go custom in order to actually mill the same profiles of these moldings. 
So obviously this client is aware that her house was built in the 1920s and trust me, chose this house because of these beautiful details. So she knows that she's coming into this project with an inherent group of issues that can be overcome, but will possibly and likely cost her more money. So we're sitting in a meeting and this contractor is talking to her about a built-in cabinet that is going into a room with existing doors and windows and trim. So he's explaining to her that the style of the door will be close, but not match the woodwork that's already in this room. And he's using terms that are industry jargon. And she's listening and smiling and nodding and, okay, yep, that sounds fine. Sure. I I get it. I know I don't want to go over and above our budget in order to do these cabinets for this built-in. I'm listening to this conversation and it is becoming really apparent to me that she doesn't know what he's talking about and that she's agreeing to something that she may or may not like in the end, which would be an expensive number to replace. So for instance, he is talking about the sticking on the door of this cabinetry. Now the sticking is the decorative molding that goes against the panel of the door. And I'll actually put a picture of what I'm talking about up on social media, because this is probably something that you too have never heard of. And that's okay for this story. But so for instance, hers was something that just didn't exist anymore, right? It was either it was standard back in the 20s when the house was built, or it was custom made for the house. And it was likely custom made for this house because of the quality of the home. And she's going, yeah, yeah, I don't want to spend, you know, custom money to make it. Let's get close enough. And after the meeting and the contractor leaves and obviously goes and probably puts in the order or at least puts in the paperwork to continue with the project, question answered. And I take her over to a door and I say, point to the sticking. And she looks at me, she goes, I have to admit, Renee, I don't know what the sticking is, but it doesn't seem like that's that big a deal, right? I mean, it's just the cabinets, it's in this room. All right, Renee, show me the sticking. And I point to it and she goes, oh, that's cool. I never knew what that was called. I didn't know that had a different name and on and on and on. And I'm looking at her and go, okay. And that is all true. And I love that you are expanding your vocabulary, but you just agreed to not match it. And she goes, oh, oh, you're right. Oh, crap. No, I want it to match. And I said, okay, then why did you agree to it? She goes, I guess I just didn't really understand what it was. Admittedly, I was planning on jumping in and correcting her mistake, but it's an example of where a client will just smile and nod. She's thinking to herself, yeah, I'm a smart woman. I'm sure it'll all work out. I hired this guy for a reason. He's good at what he does. He should be pointing me in the right direction. Well, yes, and he is actually trying to point you in the right direction. Now, where he failed, this client, was he didn't make sure she understood. But in his defense, she quickly was like, yep, sure, yep, got it, okay. So he probably was like, cool, she knows what I'm talking about. So that's where overconfidence comes in. And I'm hesitant to say that she was cocky in that situation because she really wasn't. But she was overly confident in her knowledge about what he was saying. And with, I don't know, maybe one question, hey, John, I don't know what you're talking about. 
and he would literally walk to the door and do the exact show and tell that I did, that problem would never have happened. Now, had those cabinetry come in with the doors fabricated like that, and she saw it and said, oh, good God, it doesn't match. And he'd say, sure. At meeting on July 4th at you know 2 p.m., given my meeting minute notes, you said it didn't have to match. And she'd have to pay for all new doors at her expense in order to match it. So that is just one example where overconfidence can get you into a problem. So my next example is when a client tips into cockiness. And I cannot stress this enough, how important it is to keep yourself from going into cockiness. Now, if you've listened to other podcasts, my social media, all the other things, lives and webinars, I have mentioned there are gender inequalities on job sites, right? That's pretty obvious. Women are by far the minority on job sites, as is obvious by the name of this podcast. So I'm not going to go into that, but I will say from decades of experience, cockiness does not work on job sites. Can't say that more clearly. Cockiness does not work on job sites. It shuts them down emotionally, mentally. It's the worst. So you must keep yourself away from that zone of cockiness. And cockiness comes from insecurity and embarrassment. Don't get there. Just don't get there. What you need to do along the way is know that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to not know what sticking is on a door. For God's sakes, why would you know what sticking is on a door? Hell, I didn't know what sticking was on the door for probably... I don't know, a good five or six years of me being in the business because it just hadn't come up on a project. So when a client reaches cockiness, the only reaction I have seen to that by a team is defensiveness. And defensiveness is what shuts everything down, all communication. Now, I'm not saying jobs stop, literally. They keep going, but it is not a good situation because what happens is the contractors will be more reticent to bring things to your attention because of the potential cockiness that's going to come back at them. It is not a good situation. And I'll be honest, I have had clients, very few, but I have had clients get into cockiness when I'm not present. And what happens is, thank goodness I am on a job because I become the go-between. I literally had to take a client aside and say, listen, I understand you were frustrated, you were a little intimidated by the situation, and you got really cocky with them. And I heard about it because they pulled me aside, and I'm going to have to now be the point person with the majority of the communication. Because if I don't become that point person, everything's going to get shut down. And she got it. It was not an easy conversation to have with my client, um, who I adored. And I I understood where her cockiness came from. I understood how she was feeling kind of pushed into a corner. And in fact, they were talking down to her a bit, which there's no excuse for. But by meeting that with cockiness only aggravates an already strained situation. So instead of dwelling on the negative, let's dive into how to avoid these situations. And I've been 
you know, mentioning them along the way. But let's get into a really clear and concise way of avoiding overconfidence and God forbid cockiness. And again and again and again, you will hear me say research and preparation, research and preparation. Really, I cannot say it enough. People walk into these projects with next to no research and almost no preparation. And this is what can happen. So the more prepared you are as far as knowing what the scope of your project is, and scope means the total project. Scope of work is I'm doing a kitchen. No, the project is I'm doing a kitchen. The scope of work is I'm gutting the cabinets. I'm tearing out the floor. I'm replacing all lighting. I'm going to be adding 60 square feet. I'm going to be adding new appliances requiring gas, and I'm painting. That is a scope of work. So the more details you have within that scope, let's say I'm painting. Are you painting the ceiling walls trim or are you also painting the cabinets? If so, that's four things you're, you're painting. You know, that's the level of detail that I expect everyone listening to go through your list of scope to drill down and no. And then within that painting, I want you to educate yourself a little bit on painting. You don't have to be the next greatest painter. That's why you're hiring a painter. But it does make sense if the painter says, hey, lady, uh, what finish do you want to do on the trim? And you look at him and you go, I want to make them white. Yeah, that's not finished. That's a color, right? That's not a finish. Now, you can go on my website. There's a free download on painting and it breaks down all the terms, but you can also research them in other ways. Or at the very beginning, when you're interviewing your painters, you ask them to start explaining some of the terms along the way as you're walking room to room. And he says, okay, you're going to paint ceiling walls and trim. And you look at him and you say, what are your recommendations? for the finishes of those paints. He doesn't really care about the color. The color is the last thing he needs. He needs to know what finishes you're gonna be using. So if he says to you, well, I'm gonna use flat on the ceiling, I'm gonna use matte on the walls, and I'm gonna use semi-gloss on the trim, you're writing all this down. Then you're gonna go on your computer later, you're gonna look them all up. That's how you're gonna educate yourself before the work gets started. The more educated you are, the more confident you are going to be in your decisions and your ability to make further decisions on things you didn't know about, right? So if you know, okay, I actually didn't like Matt. I've heard Renee talk about eggshell. I'm going to go and I'm going to research the differences. So when it comes to, hey, do you want the eggshell or the mat? You're going to look at him and say, I'd like the eggshell. And when he pushes back and says, well, eggshell finish shows a little bit more imperfections on your drywall, you're going to look at me and go, I understand that. Yep, I saw that and I'm okay with it. As opposed to him saying, pushing back with that same point, you go, uh oh, oh God, oh, I didn't know that. Wait, hmm. Now, if you hadn't researched that, you could still say to him, you know what? Give me 24 hours or give me three hours. Let me go do some research on that and I'll get back to you with my final decision. That's confidence. Cockiness is getting that same question posed to you and saying, well, I told you I wanted eggshell. And he's looking at her going, well, I know, but I just explained to her why I don't think she should do eggshell. And the client is reading it as, I'm questioning your decisions. No, he's not. He's making sure that you're making an informed decision. And that's the difference. The more research you do, you've already made 
probably 30% of those informed decisions. And then the remaining ones that still need your thoughts, you're confident enough that you can go back and do more research because it worked the first time. You felt more confident. So these are the critical pieces that everybody, my clients, as well as all of you can benefit from. Now, I will be honest, there are still times I learn on job sites. I should. There's no way I have experienced every scenario of every construction project, even after 27 years. Now, what do I do? I tease the guys. I say, oh my God, I can't believe I learned something new again. And they love it. They actually will then dive deeper into whatever the topic is that we're discussing. They may talk about where it came from or why it has to happen and, you know, things of that nature. What does that do? It educates me. It gives me confidence. It shows that I'm interested and willing to listen and learn. This is critical. So to recap, I know I've gone on about this, but to recap, watch HGTV with the eyes of entertainment with a smattering of reality as far as home renovation construction. You don't have to stop watching it. I promise. I understand. It's good TV. It really is. Hey, it sucked me in to watch the rest of that show. But then when you take on your own project, that is only the tip of the iceberg as far as what you need to be researching and preparing for on your own. And the more you do it, remember what I said, stay confident, don't tip into cockiness. Your project will be far more successful. You and your team will work seamlessly if you stay in the realm of confidence and stay far away from cockiness. So I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I know many of you are listening going, "Eh, I think maybe that last project, I may or may not have missed that mark. I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to hear your thoughts now that you've listened to this episode as to how you got to that. Was it just because you were unprepared? Was it just because you weren't prepared enough? Was it just because you didn't want to be embarrassed? Was it just because you don't like confrontation? What was it that got you in that place? And and maybe you didn't go so far as into cockiness, but you got to the place of smiling and nodding. And now you realize that that created some problems for you in the end. So drop me an email, send me a DM through social media. I love these conversations. It's what I do. I, I love helping solve them. And by the way, if you're in the middle of a project and you feel like you've maybe overstepped that line, definitely reach out to me. Tell me the details, and I'm confident we can get you back to where you need to be to move your project forward. Thanks again for joining me, and I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to reach out to me. You can email me or direct message me through social media, and we can start a conversation about what it is you're going through right now. That will also help me come up with other ideas for future podcasts that I can share with everyone, as I assure you, we're all in the same boat together. I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave me a review. If you would like to find out more about me and what I can do, please go to my website, www.devignedesign.com. 
Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear from you soon.